Well, again, good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship today. It's good to have you here. And as I look around, I don't see anybody who would not know what's going on here. So you know the routine regarding red registration pads, green prayer cards, all that stuff. I would welcome you to our midweek Lenten gatherings. Uh, we continue this Wednesday over in the fellowship hall from 6.30 to 7.30. So just one hour uh, this year. Uh, that what will take place during that hour is we will come together to eat together, uh, fellowship around the tables, and then there will be a brief devotional uh, that we will share. Uh, kind of a special surprise there, that, that aspect of it. Uh, so this coming Wednesday over in the fellowship hall from 6.30 to 7.30, there is a sign-up sheet as you leave the church today where you can sign up to bring something. Uh, this coming Wednesday is taken care of by our youth uh, but the following Wednesdays, we could use uh, help as far as uh, bringing uh, food to share. Uh, Marcy Copenhaver also will be coordinating this effort. So if you put your name up there, she will be contacting you uh, regarding the evening. So that's this coming Wednesday. Uh, some of you may be interested, uh, just down the street at St. Andrews, this coming Saturday, uh, will be the third annual Faith and Innovation Conference. I believe some in our congregation have attended before, and I've heard good reports. Uh, Faith and Innovation Conference this coming Saturday. Uh, if you are interested, you can look on the kiosk in the entryway of the church for more information about that. And then next Sunday, if this is of interest to you, you'll want to make uh, plans to come to our early service next week because during this hour next week, uh, Pastor David Bowman will be presenting content from his new book titled, Perish the Thought, a Memoir in Ministry. So during this hour next week, he will be meeting over in the fireside room uh, to uh, read portions of his uh, book and signed copies of his book will be available for purchase. There you go. So if you're here and you still want a copy of his book, you can, you can get that. I'm told it's also available on Amazon. Today is the anniversary uh, of Patrick and Andra Pillsbury. So those of you who know them might want to wish them happy anniversary. And uh, flowers on the altar this morning have been provided by Jerry and Lois Hedquist uh, to commemorate their 58th wedding anniversary this coming Tuesday. One last announcement, and that is uh, if you read carefully uh, the communications that our communication expert, Jack Mormon, sends out on a regular basis, you may have read what I'm going to share with you, that re research shows that attending faith-based services four times per month will add four to 14 years of life expectancy. So there you are, you're on your way to longer life just by being here, being part of this faith community where you are supported by brothers and sisters in Christ and you come into the presence of God. So good news this morning. Uh, our whole uh, service this morning centers around life and death as we will see in our scripture readings. I invite you to stand as we begin with our call. Oh, I'm sorry, before you stand, uh, some... This is the last announcement. 
Habitat for Humanity, as you can see, took place yesterday. We've got four slides to show you. Some work uh, from members of our congregation, <laughs> real workers up there on the roof. <laughs> they may look like they're just standing around up there hanging out. And Jan and Kirk, okay. Tom Loudermilk. That's it. All right, very good. Thank you, Rick, for sharing those and taking those photos. And Rick, I imagine, was at work yesterday, too. Is that true? Yeah, not just taking photos. So uh, now, please uh, stand as you are able as we begin with our call to worship. In the 34th Psalm, uh, the psalmist says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. O Lord God, we come together as a community called and gathered by your Holy Spirit. We come together to sing our praises to you, to hear your word, to be encouraged, and to leave this place prepared and equipped to be your servants in the world. And so we pray that your will would be done among us and that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is the day that the Lord has made. And uh, let's rejoice indeed as we join together in our opening song. <coughs> Gotta have some faith. 
He's alive for the shadows. He's hope for tomorrow. He's always be there through the sound and the rain. And you got to believe it before you can see it. And you can walk out because you make it away. Just gotta have some faith. the children to come up for the children's message. First time we did that last song, Gotta Have Some Faith. And our faith comes from the promises of Jesus. All right, I brought something here with me today. I had my wife bring something today. What is this? Yeah, can you feel it? Feel this blanket. Oh, it's nice, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, you want to take that home, don't you? Yeah, Ryan wants to take this in his room is what Ryan wants to do. James, yeah? Pretty nice, huh? You'll, you'll understand why I brought this or why I had, brought this, uh, had this brought to me. I want to know uh, of you five up here, how many of you have been tired before? You've been tired before. Raise your hand. Okay, good. That's what I expected. How many of you have been really tired before? Raise your hand. Okay. Now I want to find out who here has been the most tired. Okay. So if you think you have been more tired than anybody else up here, raise your hand. Okay. Mason and Ryan. Okay. Uh, that's what I kind of figured. We'd have, we'd have some competition there who feels like they have been, nobody's been ever more tired than I am. So you know, you all know what that feels like, right? To be tired. What happens next? After you're real tired, what happens next? You have a real, yeah, James said it, you sleep, right? Especially if you have a real comfortable blanket like this, you fall asleep. And then what happens? You wake up. Yeah, you wake up, and how do you feel? Yeah. So after you wake up, you might stretch a little bit. You might, uh, you might, you might yawn. You might rub the sleep out of your eyes. You might, you know, do the hokey pokey. And after you do all those things, you might, you might start waking up, right? You wake up, and you are... <laughs> no, you're not tired anymore. You're refreshed, okay? After you get all that tiredness out, you're refreshed. You're like a, you're like a phone that's been charged all the way to 100%, and then some. So you've got new energy, right? You've fallen asleep, and now you have new energy to live a new day. Uh, you're not afraid to fall asleep because you know that when you wake up, you're going to feel 
lots of energy, and you're going to be new and refreshed. Now, uh, when you get older, you're going you're gonna to just want to go to sleep. Now you probably want to stay up late, but just trust me, uh, when you get older, you're, you're going to welcome that sleep even more. Well, the reason I bring this up is uh, this morning in one of the Bible passages that we're going to read, Jesus talks about death like sleep. Now, when you go to sleep, the next thing you realize is you wake up and you've got a new day ahead of you, okay? Jesus talks about death as kind of like that, that when you die, Jesus will be there to wake you up. He'll be there to rouse you, to take you by the hand, and to lead you into a new grand adventure. Even as Jesus is with you now, in your every waking day, Jesus will be with you um, and will welcome you into heaven. So let's, let's have a prayer together, and you can pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you that we can trust you here on earth now and in heaven when we die. Amen. Okay, thanks for coming up, you guys. I'll keep my blanket here. And I invite uh, the congregation to please stand as we continue with our confession and forgiveness. In the book of Proverbs, we read, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but the one who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Hearing this word and knowing that we have a compassionate God, let us together confess our sins. Gracious God, we confess before you our sin today. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not loved as you have loved us. Show us our sins, O Lord, and give us the strength to forsake them and to follow in your steps. For the sake of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We take some moments now of silent reflection before God. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. It is the Lord's will that sinners turn from their ways and live. In his love, God our Heavenly Father has sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, that we might be forgiven, walk in newness of life, and serve others to the glory of God. I therefore declare to you, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We continue with our worship. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. You wrestle with the sinner's heart. 
faithful and his grace certainly is enough for us this next song is one of my favorite songs that we sing here at this uh, service who am i
would choose to light the way for my ever wandering heart. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you Last Sunday, I meant to uh, say a word of thanks to our worship team and 
Uh, wasn't able to get my words in there before the postlude uh, happened. Uh, so I want to uh, thank the worship team today for your presence with us, uh, your faithfulness to us, and uh, the gifts that you share week after week. Um, welcome back to Tony Fulgar at the drums, uh, following some hip surgery that he's had that he told me this morning was almost miraculous. He's got no pain in his back and uh, very good. We're, we're grateful to God for, for that blessing in your life and for your presence here with us. <laughs> All right. We continue with the prayer of the day. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, creator of all and bestower of life, as your son Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, renew and restore us to new life, leaving in the grave all that prevents us from loving you fully. This we ask in the name above all names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We continue with the reading of God's word for today. Our lecture this morning is Colin Campbell. Good morning. Our first reading from, from God's word is from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, beginning at verse 1. The reading begins on page 906 of the Red Bibles. In this passage, the prophet Ezekiel has a vision of a valley filled with dry bones. He speaks God's word to them, and they come to life. So, too, will God breathe new life into his people who have just about given up hope, living in exile in Babylon. Ezekiel 37, verse 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out of the, by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophecy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon, come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. 
Then you, my people, will know that I am Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Here ends the first reading for today. Our next reading is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the believers in Rome, chapter 8, beginning at verse 5. The reading begins on verse of page 1184. In this passage, Paul contrasts those who live according to the sinful nature with those who living according to the Spirit of God. Listen for the wonderful promise given to those who have the Spirit of God living in them. Romans 8, 5 through 11. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set upon what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is death because of sin, yet your, sin is, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And the Spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Here ends our second reading. Thank you, Colin. You may remain seated for the gospel for today. Uh, The gospel today is from John chapter 11, uh, beginning at verse 1, page 1124, if you'd like to follow along, or it's up on the wall. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there 
so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been already in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. So I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the gospel of our Lord. You can thank me for not having you stand for that uh, long reading from John chapter 11. Uh, as uh, we were singing some of our songs, I was looking up here to the uh, paraments, and uh, you notice here that there are four letters uh, on this hanging, I-N-R-I. -I. So, 
test question for you. Uh, some of you Lutherans have been here for a long time. What do those letters represent? If you think you know, raise your hand. Yes, Art. Very good. Very good. First in line at the treat uh, table. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth, okay? Iesu in, in Greek is the I. Iesu, Nazareth, Rex, okay? King of the Jews or King of Judea. Very good. Uh, second in line, how about this? Uh, someone important died on this day in history. Anybody know? February 18. The year was 1546. You can't answer, Art. Martin Luther. Okay, Martin Luther. I heard several Martin Luther answers. You can all uh, go for second place in line there. Yeah. All right. Thank you to uh, Gloria Greenway who brought that to my attention. That was in uh, this morning's paper under important events uh, that happened on this day. Well, Luther died on this day, February 18, 1546, and today, as I mentioned in the announcements, our scriptures have everything to do with death and life. Uh, that first reading where Ezekiel has this vision of a valley filled with dry bones, and the question is asked, can these bones live? And in Paul's letter to the Romans, in that uh, eighth chapter, uh, Paul talks about the resurrection and the life that we have in Christ. And here in this long gospel reading that I just shared with you, it's all about Lazarus, who had been dead for four days, that Jesus brought back to life. Good luck with that, said a passerby to me as I was on my hands and knees in my front yard weeding. You've got a bit of work ahead of you. And his words were true as I was weeding what used to be our front lawn. If you don't get it all by the roots, said another, and there are many tiny filaments that are there, it'll all grow back. Well, the warnings proved to be correct. And as careful as I was, those dreaded weeds came back indeed. And again, a year later, I find myself with the same task ahead of me. Life is a powerful force. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the precious gift of life. That is why we are here today. You have given us that wonderful privilege, that wonderful opportunity to be part of the human race this day. Thank you for that gift. And we pray, O oh Lord, that our minds might be quickened this day, quickened to believe and to trust that even as you have breathed into us this life, so too when we have our final heartbeat here on this earth, you will welcome us into new life. We pray now that the words of my mouth, our meditation here in this place, would be pleasing, would be on center, would be true. You are our rock, our redeemer, our savior. Amen. Well, in the opening example that I shared with you about weeding in the front yard, <clears throat> there was some remnant of life that was still present there. 
even if I couldn't see it. The life force had not been eradicated. As little as was left, it still had potential. And that potential indeed became kinetic, for those of you who remember your science. But such was not the case with respect to Lazarus in our gospel reading for today. There was no life left in Lazarus. He was deader than dead, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Last Sunday, we saw Jesus interact, or we heard Jesus interact with a man who had been born blind. And we heard that Jesus did not focus on the why, the cause of this man's blindness. He was more interested in the wherefore, the purpose, the reason for this man. Jesus did not affix blame. Jesus saw opportunity. This happened, he said, so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Even so with Lazarus. Jesus was with his disciples on the other side of the Jordan River, where he was baptized by John, when he receives the news that Lazarus was sick. He's summoned by the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. And these are not just any people. These are close friends of Jesus. For three times in this passage, we read that Jesus loved them. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. The one you love is sick. This is the summons that Jesus receives. So what does Jesus do? He delays. After being summoned, he stays where he is, across the Jordan River, for two more days. And he does so seemingly on purpose. It leaves the people there and leaves us dumbfounded. Why would Jesus do such a thing? This sickness, he says, will not end in death. But even those words would be misunderstood, for Lazarus would indeed die. The purpose of the sickness, however, was not death, but beyond it. The disciples in the passage before us question the wisdom of Jesus' decision to go back into Judea, where just some time before they sought to kill him. And Jesus answers in a way that we have been accustomed to him speaking. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? This same one who had spoken to his mother in Cana, telling her that his hour had not yet come. This one who had spoken to his disciples in the presence of the blind man and said that he would take action, and before he would take action that would forever change this man's life. Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no man can work. The clock is ticking, and Jesus must continue to do the works his Father sent him to do, to carry out his divine rescue mission. The tension builds until we get to the tomb. In the meantime, Jesus converses with both sisters, who both express faith and disappointment in the tardiness of Jesus. 
If you had been here, they both say, our brother would not have died. But listen to the faith in Martha's words. Even now, she says, did you catch that in the reading? Even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Sounds a bit like the mother of Jesus, don't you think? Telling the servants in Cana, do whatever he tells you to do. The power is in him. He has the authority. And Martha, even as the mother of Jesus before her, puts her faith in him. And now this exchange. Your brother will rise again. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I am the resurrection, Jesus says, and the life. The comfort and consolation of the community is mentioned twice in our passage. Jesus himself expresses tenderness toward both sisters and toward his dear friend Lazarus, and for the community. Jesus weeps. Where have you laid him, he asks, and the answer, come and see. Well, those words might uh, be familiar to you as we have gone through John's gospel. We're way back in chapter 1. Those words of invitation, come and see, were spoken by uh, Philip to his friend Nathaniel. When he tells him, we found the one of whom Moses wrote, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathanael says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see. And in John chapter 4, as Jesus was visiting with the woman at the well, uh, at Jacob's well there, the Samaritan woman is so captured by Jesus that she leaves her water jar there at the, at the well, goes back to her town and says to the people, come and see. Where have you laid him? Jesus asks. Come and see, Lord. A question arises. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? It's a good question. And it's a question that still lives in God's people today. We too pray for healing in times of sickness. Does Jesus not have the power to heal? Well, without doubt, he does. And we are not to withhold our prayers for such things. But what's important is that sometimes there is something even more, something even higher, something even more important than the request we make. Sometimes there's a higher healing and an answer to prayer that is beyond what we ask. Yes, Jesus could have kept this man from dying, but instead he will do for him something even greater. Yes, Jesus can bring healing to you when you are sick, but there are times when his purposes are even greater, and you can have confidence that such is the case. Death is not always the worst thing. Death does not possess the golden ring. It doesn't own the master key, and it doesn't have the final word. 
All hope seemed lost, but not so with Jesus. Never so with Jesus. We arrive at the tomb where Lazarus has now been dead for four days. The reality of the situation is made even more clear by the hesitancy and resistance of Martha when Jesus instructs the stone to be rolled away. By this time there will be a stench, she says. It would not be pretty. Jesus calls Lazarus out by name. And when the powerful word of the Lord is spoken, it goes forth to do its work. The power of the one who said, let there be light. And there was, this very same power is at work in Jesus when he says those words, Lazarus, come forth. And it is the same power that will be at work when you experience your last heartbeat on this earth and Jesus calls your name. And it is a preview of coming attractions, a warm-up for the main event, a mere appetizer for the main course. For the raising of Lazarus prepares us for what will happen to Jesus himself and for what will happen to us. Death and life, it's all about it's what it's all about in our gospel for today. For as much as we see death around us, we continue to deny it. Leo Tolstoy writes in his novella, The Death of Ivan Illich, quote, the example that he had learned in logic, Caius is a man, men are mortal, therefore Caius is mortal, had seemed all his life correct only as regard to Caius, but not at all as regards to himself. Which is to say, death comes to others, but not to me. But it will come. As many of us were reminded this past Wednesday, as we had ashes placed upon our foreheads and heard those words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But the powerful word we have before us this morning is that death will not have the final word. The final word belongs to God, and it is a word of life. Lazarus, come forth, and the dead man did. Two important matters result from this raising of Lazarus. One is that many of those who were present and witnessed this event, came to faith. They came to believe in Jesus. In fact, that is why John has included this event in his gospel, to encourage you and to persuade you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the whole reason John writes his gospel, as he makes clear in the 20th chapter. Many came to faith in Jesus, after witnessing this miraculous sign. But the second thing that happens is some of those who had witnessed this go and tell the religious leaders. They go and tell the Pharisees what has happened. And this, for the Pharisees, is the final straw. They decide, the Romans will now come and take away our place and take away our nation. 
this Jesus was too great a threat to allow to continue doing what he was doing. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the elders, the scribes, they all had their arguments and squabbles with Jesus. But when Jesus performed this miracle, again, what John calls a miraculous sign, it was indisputable. Jesus must go, and Lazarus too. In John's Gospel, this is where the trial of Jesus occurs. This is where Jesus is judged. This is where Jesus is sentenced. Sentenced to death for life. Sentenced to death for the life he brought to Lazarus because it was the only way the religious leaders thought they could win. If they did not accept him as God's Messiah, he must be stopped. The clouds are gathering Night is not far behind, and Jesus knows it full well. It's time to get his affairs in order. It's time to prepare to wrap things up, and the best is yet to come. Let us pray. Our gracious God, powerful and mighty, we thank you for coming to earth in your Son, Jesus, our Lord. We thank you for the power displayed in him, used to bring good to your people, used to shine light on who he is and what he has done for each one of us. We pray that the power of Jesus displayed in the life of Lazarus would encourage us, grant us hope and confidence that you are the giver of abundant life here and when we breathe our last. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
continue our confession as we speak together the words of the Apostles' Creed. Please stand. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We continue with our prayers. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for drawing us together today. We are blessed to be here to enjoy the fellowship and the communal act of worship. We thank you for the great blessing of each other, a community of faith, for the journey we share together and the deep joy that comes from fellowship. We thank you for this place and for the people who serve here. We humbly pray that our worship is pleasing to you. We thank you for the promise of this day and the coming week. You have given each of us a great portion. We are blessed to live in a country of great freedoms and a land of great prosperity. Help us to appreciate what we have, to be thankful, and to have compassion for those who are not so richly blessed. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Bless also this congregation, Father. Prosper us and grow us. We seek to share your word and your peace amongst our community. Give us servant hearts and help us to discern your will for Manuel Lutheran Church. May we follow in the path you have set before us. Bless Pastor Derek and his family. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for the future of the Lutheran Church at large and indeed the greater church in the world. Make us collect, Lord, of your will, your grace, and your peace. Help us to shine your light in the world. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for your special blessings on those who have answered your call on their lives. Give them all the safety and richly bless them in each day of their service. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for the families and victims of yet another senseless act of violence in Florida. Comfort them in their grief and give our leaders the courage to respond in a meaningful way. Many in this world are caught up in conflict, strife, violence, and outright war. We pray that Jesus' words of peace will prevail, bring calmness, empathy, and compassion. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We pray for your healing touch on each of us. We are all in need of restoration. We are in pain or infirm. We are wounded by the actions of others and by our own sin. We are distant from you and our souls are troubled. Heal us and make us whole. Give us hope and strength, especially those that Pastor now names. We look before you, Devin, Margaret Bowman, Tom Kidd. Lord, you know each of their needs. We thank you for your presence with them and the mercy and grace you pour out upon them. Continue to bless them with your healing power. We rejoice with Patrick and Andrew Pillsbury, 
with Jerry and Lois Hedquist as they celebrate their anniversaries, continue to draw them close to each other and bless them in their relationships. We also pray that you would be with the family of Guy Whittem as they grieve their loss. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, bless us as we start this new week. Help us to walk in your way and serve you in all that we do. Give us courage, compassion, and grace. Amen. Amen. The congregation may be seated. We'll continue with our offering. Please join me in a word of prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we humbly offer to you a portion of what you first entrusted to us. Multiply our efforts to further your ministry and mission in the world to the glory and honor of your holy name. Amen. And now here in this place, we remember that in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. We join together in our Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, thus we forgive those who sinned against us save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil for the kingdom the power and the glory are yours now and forever beloved of God, this is the Lord's table. All are welcome here. Please come forward at the direction of our ushers this morning.
and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ bless you and keep you in his grace now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the close of our service. Thank you all for coming out to join us in our worship for today. Your presence matters uh, to those around you as well. And uh, pray that God's blessing will be upon you, uh, that you will be encouraged uh, with the abundant life Jesus has for you here and now and the promise of everlasting life as well. Receive now the blessing for the journey. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed. Amen. Our sending song, Indescribable.
Thank you, Pastor. Everybody have a great week. Thanks a lot.